everybody, welcome back to We and You, where we talk about the Kentucky Commission on Human Rights and a little bit about what's going on in our area. I am Terrence Sullivan. And I'm Brittany Cook. What is it on now? Omnidirectional? It is on... It is on Omnidirectional. Say something else. I don't know what else to say. Every time you're like, say something, and I'm like, oh, God, I'm on the spot. And what do I say? And how do I say it? And what if I don't say enough? And are you going to have enough for recording? And are you ready for me to stop so you can play it now? Nope. Keep going. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> <laughs> We're broadcasting from beautiful downtown Louisville here in the historic Hayburn building. The music you hear throughout this recording was produced by Esquire Music alongside Spice Productions. Hey everybody, welcome back to We and You. Um, this week will be a little different. We are having an interview with Juan Pena from the Kentucky Commission on Human Rights. And I am doing my first interview solo. Um... So Brittany is a little under the weather, and so we wanted to make sure we honored Juan's time and still did this interview. And so this is really an interview about some of the things going on in the immigrant community, but also a celebration for Hispanic Heritage Month. And so we just wanted to talk about just what's going on and talk about Juan. So welcome, Juan. Thank you, Mr. Terrence Sullivan. Uh, I'm happy to be in your program, and I'm so pleased to see that you have started this type of work, another way to reach out to the population and let them know what we do. Oh, yes, and thank you, Juan, for wanting to come and be on here and kind of talk a little bit more about what you do and about how we can be even more um, intentional with our work and with our outreach to the immigrant population in the Louisville area and in Kentucky as a whole. So, first off, Juan, if you don't mind, could you just introduce yourself and kind of talk about what you do at the commission? Well, I'm the Kentucky Human Rights Specialist, and I call myself the gopher. So <laughs> I do a few things here and there. Um, but what I do is I do the education outreach programs across the state. So we do trainings, workshops, community, attend community meetings, and um, we also work on our publications and assist there. Um, I also do the intake once in a while, mm -hmm. process the mail, uh, just anything that's asked to do at the commission. So, and I can attest that Juan is probably one of the hardest workers I've ever met. He is, it's not uncommon to see him doing somebody's, anything that you ask of him, he's doing it. And so it's, he's very appreciated. Um, when I first started, I was told, you know, Juan is one person you will really like, and he's someone who will always do anything that's needed. So rely on Juan. And I've, I've come to learn that that's very, very true and accurate. And so we're all very thankful for you, Juan. Thank you. Thank you. Could you tell us a little bit about what outreach or education outreach does so what are those so you said there are trainings like what type of trainings or okay so i would like to give a little bit brief history um so i joined the kentucky commission on human rights in 2002 and this was the time when the hispanic population was growing rapidly there was a term used the emerging market that's the way i was describing the hispanic population 
And in 2003, the U.S. Uh, the US Census declared officially that Hispanic was the minor majority minority groups across the United States. So this was the time when many government agencies, including state, federal agencies, uh, I guess reserved the funds to reach out to this specific population. So the Kentucky Human Rights Commission received a grant uh, known as the Fair Housing Initiatives Program. Um, and the money is this was designed to reach out, um, put together a program and reach out to the Spanish-speaking population across the state of Kentucky. That's when I came on board. And um, I thought that was going to be easy. Back then, the census reported there were about close to 60,000 Hispanics in the state. So I thought, well, if you have a 60,000, certainly when you have a workshop, you will have at least 200 people. Um, that was my expectation, but that was not the case. Uh, I quickly encountered that was not easy. Uh, so we had to find a ways to modify their programs and be more effective in their education outreach programs. So what we did is to kind of determine what some of the priority needs of the Spanish-speaking population and try to work around that and be able to reach out to the immigrant population. So since then, we tried workshops. So we went out to the communities, worked with the local organizations, with the community centers. In Louisville, you have the American community centers. In Danville, Kentucky, you have the Latino center. In Shelbyville, you have the Latino centers. And across the state, there are local groups that were eager to receive us and work with us to educate the immigrant population about their rights and responsibilities under the Civil Rights Act. So what are some of the things that you hear about as prevalent issues right now in the community? Like, what are you, what are we, what are some of the larger issues that people face in terms of why would they reach out to the commission, for example, or what really are some of the things that you're hearing when you're interacting? It varies a lot. Um, it really depends also the economy in our state. Uh, in the past, I guess in 2008, we received quite a few complaints where people were not getting paid for the work they perform. Um, but nowadays, since there's a, well, uh, there's a shortage of labor in general, uh, except in the past few months because of the COVID-19. But now our inquiries or complaints that we receive is that people just don't have a work, but again, that's not a complaint of discrimination because everyone is being laid off or right. because of what's going on. Uh, we start to see an increase of inquiries related to housing and evictions, and that doesn't surprise me because the people have lost their jobs, so they aren't able to pay their uh, rent. So part of the, the types of, so uh, another question on the types of trainings that you do. Um, I know the education and outreach team does presentations, different types of trainings as part of an agreement for someone who had some type of conciliation agreement. But what are the, what types of trainings do you do and what are your favorite training topics? Well, we do have a training specifically designed for specific groups. So we also, do trainings for the general public, um, for example, for human resource uh, employees in 
So we do that and specifically talk about sexual harassment, talk about uh, employment opportunities for people with disabilities. But when it comes to the Hispanic community, we just focus on the employment. Uh, a lot of people believe that unfair practice is unlawful, or they believe that have been discriminated against. But the truth is that I like to tell people that there's a difference between a just a unfair practice and unlawful practice, and trying to really nail down the differences. Because one thing that I have seen is that people if feel they have been treated unfairly. They believe that they have been treated or discriminated against because of who they are. Uh, so again, we just go down to those details, and I like that reaction that people say, okay, I see now. What are, just off the top of your head, what could be an example of each? Like, what comes in as an example that you're able to have that conversation and say, well, maybe it wasn't uh, something that was unlawful, and maybe it was something that just you didn't really like how it went down. Okay. So let's start by saying that Kentucky is an at-will employment state. So that means that an employer can terminate the employment of anyone at any time, and they don't have to explain why. Now, so we had an inquiry a few weeks ago. This specific individual uh, called the employer, or he had an accident, called an employer, and the employer um, just to let the employer that he was not going to be able to report to work because of the accident. Well, he was given that leave to be off that day. The next day he called again and let the employer know that he had fractured a bone. So he couldn't, he couldn't be able to work, to report to work. Well, the employer terminated the employment of that person. And there wasn't much we can do because this is an at-will employment state. And just to double check that, so we kind of check with the labor cabinet to see is there anything you can do in this case they say no that's we're in a state a will employment state now the only way that we can be able to involve in this type of particular case is that if we be able to compare with other employees who might have had a similar situation and that the employee was not terminated then we can see that there's different different treatment so one thing that we're looking in a complaint of discrimination is the treatment what type of treatment that these individuals received did they receive the same treatment or different treatment on the basis of their protected classes. So, and by different treatment, you just mean um, were there other factors that kind of went into, we'll use employment, dismissal, where, as a hypothetical, maybe certain groups of people were given multiple warnings, and this person who was in a protected class wasn't given any, and so they were let go where the other groups didn't. That, that's yes. correct. Then we look into those details, how these individuals were treated, were they treated equally? Uh, was the employer follow their policy, were they consistent, uniform in the enforcement of their policy? So, and if we find out that they were lineal to certain people and they happened to be uh, a protected class, then it might be a discrimination, unlawful discrimination. So these are the types that we teach the general public and the Spanish-speaking population. Uh, we have some, well, a lot of people come from other countries. They don't really, maybe come from different experience, different type of laws in their home country, and they believe that any unfair practice is unlawful. It might be true in their home country, but here we just, it's different. So Juan, how did you 
how did you find yourself at the commission? Um, I enjoy it. I enjoy the work that I do. Um, so, uh, I, I I don't know how to say it, but I I enjoy it, the work I do, and and I feel like that I can contribute. I, we are contributing. I believe that the commission has a lot to to offer, and that makes me that gives me the energy to keep going. So, as part of Heritage Month, um, are there any events that you have planned out with the commission or that are going on in the coming weeks? Yes, yes, I'm glad you asked that. Uh, we have this event we call the Hispanic, actually, Kentucky Hispanic Immigrant and Refugee Networking Summit. We started this work in 2005. When I joined the Kentucky Human Rights Commission, one thing that I noticed, um, that my, the work itself allows me to meet a lot of different groups in the community and also uh, with federal agencies and state agencies. And one thing that I noticed that there was a gap between the Latino centers or the community leaders and those who decision makers in the government agencies. So it came to this idea about what will happen if we combine them or meet have them meet each other and start working together. So we use this event to bridge this gap and so they can meet each other and get to know and start working together. Uh, we have this one in person every year, but with, because of the COVID-19, uh, we have decided to do a virtual a networking summit and hope that will work. And when is that? That will be on October the 8th from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. Um, so if you, anyone interested, you can just send me an email at juan.pena at ky.gov. Uh, again, that's uh, juan, J-U-A-N dot P-E-N-A at ky.gov. Thank you, Juan. And if anyone also wants to reach out to us um, from the show, or you can reach out to KCHR, or just there are multiple ways if you want to find out more information on being involved. Um, Juan, what are some of the other ways that people can be involved with the community around Louisville, around Kentucky? What are some other opportunities people might have? To further civil rights or just... Um, well, we strongly encourage local groups to work with us, educate the public about their civil rights, um, rights and responsibilities. Responsibilities. I believe also there are a lot of responsibilities too. Um, well, so for someone like me who I want to do things and I want to, I want to be more involved in multiple communities and really just showing that effort of reaching out, bridging any divides, or really learning more about people who, um, about groups where I normally am not taking part, I guess. Okay. Um, the Kentucky, Commi Kentucky Commission on Human Rights works with local city governments and county governments to establish local human rights commissions. And so as of now, we have about 22 or 23 active local human rights commission across the state. And so we encourage 
local leaders to work with their government if they don't have a local human rights commission to help them to establish a local human rights commission. And if, you ha if there's one already, just try to see how you can join their board or commission to help them. That's one way. Uh, other way, just to work with us in our education outreach programs. Uh, if you have a group that might need a training about fair housing laws or about equal employment opportunity laws, we will be happy to come down and, and do the training. Uh, well, nowadays we have to do it virtual, but once we get the okay to be out in the community, we'll be happy to do it. How did how do the trainings normally, let's say the in-person ones, are they normally larger events where people are really engaged or is it smaller one-on-one -on -one type trainings where it might be five or ten people who may work for a company doing HR or or is it really just a mixture of both? It's a mixture of both. Um, we try to accommodate the local groups to see when they can reach out most of their target audience. Um, we work closely with community centers, with community groups, with the religious groups. Uh, one thing they have found out very effective is to work with the uh, region of the Hispanic communities to work with the migrant network, uh, the migrant groups. Uh, I know that public schools have programs uh, specifically designed to reach out to migrant workers. Uh, so we work with them, uh, work with the ESL programs, our language learning programs, uh, just any programs that work with the community. We just try to work with them, and that's the only way that we can reach out, I think, effective, because they already have a captive audience that we can just go there and, and work with them. Besides work with the commission, are there some other groups around the area doing different types of important work for immigrant communities? There are quite a few groups doing work for the Hispanic and immigrant refugee communities. Um, for refugees, you have the Catholic Charities of Luvio. You have the International Center based in Bowling Green. You have the Kentucky Refugee Ministries in Luvio, and they have a field office in Covington, I believe. And there's another uh, refugee center in Onsboro. Uh, you have the Americana Community Center here in Luvio, one of the uh, biggest community centers that serves not only immigrants but refugees and I think other population as well. You have La Casita that works with women uh, in the mm -hmm. area and you have other groups in Lexington. Uh, so you have all these groups across the state that can really have the power to work with people who need the service and who can help us to reach out these groups. Especially um, these groups have already gained the, the trust of the community. And how can people who are listening, how can they support those groups? Well, one thing they have noticed is that they're always looking for volunteers, also looking for financial support so they can support their programs. Um, so just reach out to them. Again, you can call us. We have a list of, of uh, organizations across the state that we can share with you and uh, just so you can support them. So someone right now could call you or someone at the commission and ask about different groups doing work and then they can be directed on how to contact them. Yes, I have a list. I cannot promise that's up to, <laughs> up to date. Uh, there's new organizations comes to, to light. Uh, but yes, we have a list. And also we have a list of uh, media outlets 
that works or reach out to the immigrant in Hispanic population. For example, you have Aldea de Kentucky or Aldea La America, and you have the Kentubano, which is a magazine that reach out to Spanish-speaking uh, refugees. Um, there's the La Voz de Kentucky in Lexington. There's several radio stations in Spanish that reach out big large of the Hispanic population. So there's a lot means to reach out these groups. So looking at um, anything that's really happening around the area coming up or just the rest of the year, I, I, I assume, and I, I just making a guess here, but some of the larger events that would normally be happening right now are canceled. And so what are people doing that you've seen for, or what were some of the plans that people were doing or things going on for Heritage Month? Okay, so in normal times, one thing I notice is that community groups and state agencies will have a big event, large event. For example, La Casita Center, one of the local community groups here in Luvio, will have a fundraising and have a wonderful program, uh, but that's canceled. Uh, also, there's another place, uh, other organization called the Adelante Achievers. It's an organization that works with uh, high school st students to ensure that they uh, excel or in their schools and also move on to college. Uh, they have a big event every year uh, around this time of the year. But I know that they're doing a virtual type of celebrations. Um, I know that, well, this is not necessarily for the Hispanic population, but the Luvio uh, Metro government hosts their uh, World Fest. That's another mm. big, big, big event they do every year to just to show the community about this refugee or new population in our community. For was and I can't remember. Did did they do an online World Fest this year? That's what I heard. I missed <laughs> that. I don't know how they did it. And so when I heard they did that, so I said, okay, I need to do my <laughs> my uh, Hispanic networking summit. Yes. I I always enjoyed World Fest, especially for the food. <laughs> they have a great great food, music, uh, dances. Uh, I, it's a nice place to go. So it it really is. Yes. Where is your favorite place to get food in Louisville? There are quite a few places. I like to try every um, type of food that's out there. Uh, there's um, there's the Santa Fe. Mexican restaurant on Thor Street, just past the University of Luvio, south of Luvio. Is that the purple building? It's the purpose building. Ah. The purple building. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, they have a good, uh, authentic Mexican tacos. Uh, mm. There's other Cuban restaurants on on Shelbyville Road, and uh, there are quite a few. I also like the Middle East food too. I like the falafel. Hmm. It's, it's good. It's good food. <laughs> Falafels are good. I I recently found a place that had olive leaves that I liked, uh -huh. and so I, I'm now a convert on eating those. Um, so before before we before we wrap up, I did wonder if there was anything 
since we have since we have this moment and we have the air right now um is there anything that you think people should know or something you just really wanted to get out there uh, just to add a spotlight to okay one thing that i have learned in our immigrant and refugee population they are here to stay okay um when i joined the kentucky Human Rights commission i divided the groups into certain groups so i have the i call them the economic group the economic group are the immigrants i'm talking about hispanic groups who come here for economic reasons and they're looking for opportunities but this is a group that they had that mindset that someday they're going to return to where they come from but the times and the years pass by and they're still here okay so this is a group that needs a lot of help however it's difficult to be helped because they're working all the time trying to save up money and going backward back home right so again that's it but that type of thinking is changing i think they have realized that oh we're gonna then we can end the here so then you have the other group that's the refugees this is a group that they come here with a mindset to stay this is a new home for them and this is a group that actually uses the opportunity everything that comes to their way for any education trainings and they just do everything it takes to establish roots and stay here and there's a big difference this group and the economic group because it's the economic group that don't really put that roots because hoping that one day they're going to return home um so again, this some of the types of, of trainings that we do, uh, we educate the general public about the different ways how to reach out the immigrant refugee population. And why is it important to know, to really be mindful of the difference, or is it just more of an explanation to really understand some of the different groups who have relocated to live here? I, for me, I think it's very important because by understanding them, what they're thinking, that they kind of help us to accommodate to them. Because when I start working for the commission, I worked on Saturday and Sundays, and I would travel all the way to Paducah on a Sunday, give up the time of my family. And, and I would only have four people, five people, and you get a little bit disappointed. Um, but you start to understand why it's hard to reach out this group and trying to find a way to reach out to this group, I find it rewarding because the next time you don't travel during the day, you travel in the evenings and just go where they are. And so again, now, then you have the other groups who are here with the thinking they're here to stay. This is a group that's much easier to reach out because they are really out there looking for information that they can help them to be successful. That's I think that's really important to note and for people to know and just to try to contextualize and understand that there are people who really want to be a part of the community. And so it's better to treat them as part of the community and not just outsiders because we're all trying to belong where we are and trying to really just find our way. And so understanding that there are people who are trying to do the same thing that's correct another positive thing that's happening in the community is we have a, we have a second generation spanish speaking population or immigrants 
So this is a group that they are bicultural, bilingual, and they understand the politics, and they understand everything. Um, and we start to see them in the labor force as well. So it's, it's very encouraging. So Juan does not know this, but Juan is a Kentucky celebrity. Um, I, my sister, my older sister lives in Owensboro and she, when I got my job, um, she told some of the people who work with her in Owensboro and they said, Oh, I bet he knows Juan. (laughs) And multiple times I get messages asking about Juan and how Juan's doing and Everyone loves Juan, and as you can see, he, he put in the work. He traveled, even, you know, giving up time with his family to go do work in western Kentucky. And so Juan, again, is very appreciated around this space, and so very thankful to have him at the commission with us. Thank you for the kind words. <laughs> so before we wrap up, is there anything you want to share with listeners, Juan? Well, we'd just like to say that we are very appreciative of all the local organizations who have extended their hands to help us to further civil rights, uh, especially when times are difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we are there, and, um, and we are here to, to help as well, what we can within our jurisdiction. Um, so just call us, and we'll be happy to work with you. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Juan. And Thank you. We will get back... Um, soon and Brittany and I can talk a little bit about more about what's going on around our area you're listening to we and you here on forward radio 106.5 fm and forwardradio.org so that was Juan Pena who works here with us at the commission um Juan, as, as I said in our discussion, is probably one of the most hardworking people. We can't play favorites. Well, we're not playing favorites. <laughs> he is very hardworking. It's true, though. Yes, Juan is very hardworking. I feel like anything that we ever say, hey, we need to look at this or try to get this fixed, he's like on it so fast. Yeah. Juan is great. And... Another, just as a clarification, um, when we, or when I interviewed Juan, mm-hmm. um, we talked about our um, summit that was going to be online on the 8th, and I'm bad at math sometimes, and so <laughs> the scheduling was not great. Um, that as you're hearing this, was yesterday. <laughs> so Terrence is here to tell you that you missed it. Yes. Hopefully you didn't miss it, but more than likely you missed it. So our apologies. But it was good. And hopefully it was recorded and we can direct you to that. But if not, <laughs> it was a great a great time was had by all. <laughs> mm-hmm. Very informative. So definitely keep an eye out. It is an annual event that we host every year. Anyway. Who's been? In the news. Quite a bit this week. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Um, so, what else has happened since we last spoke? Any any big news events? You know, we live in Louisville, and so there's not, it's not a secret. It's actually pretty national and international that we've had a lot of eyes on us over the Breonna Taylor case. Um, 
in the grand jury's decisions. So that's definitely had an impact on a lot of people in this city, not necessarily in terms of, you know, what was right or wrong in that case and its decisions, but really just how it's impacted the city as a whole. It's got a lot of, um, or it's created a lot of eyes on certain judicial systems, um, specifically in our city. I feel like right now they're kind of trying to put a magnifying lens on some things and, and see what might need to be addressed or what is working well and how to bring our city closer together. So, you know, I have some hope that we can do that. Yeah. <clears throat> I first off, not to make light of anything, but when you kept when you said um, the eyes of the world were on us, I immediately went to Hamilton, um, as I do. Um, I started to I was about to sing it, but we cannot afford to pay Disney, so pass. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you said that. I almost burst it out into song. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you can sing the words in a different tune and we're good. If you've seen that episode of 30 Rock. I ain't that good. That is a good episode of 30 Rock, though. <laughs> Again, not endorsing anything or sponsored by NBC or Peacock. <laughs> Terrence might not. I, on the other hand, will oh. always endorse Tina Fey. <laughs> True. We can always endorse Tina Fey and everything she is associated with. But the, yeah... There are a lot of eyes on us, and I think for people who are working within the, the rights space, um, I do think that it's prudent that we do talk about it. Um, we don't know really what went into any decision or indecision with that case. What we do know is that um, there are still raw emotions and feelings about how some of this was handled and I think you mentioned the magnifying glass and I think that's one of the things people are really asking for besides justice and respect for the black community or really any of us but also for transparency because there has been this narrative that it's really about um, some of the cries from people are about things being done to someone and not and, and, and attacking someone else or someone's position or someone's beliefs. But at least from my perspective and from people I've talked to and you, you know, um, more than me on some of the inner workings, but I think people are more concerned about transparency and in, in process. Mm -hmm. And I know for me, I, if something doesn't go my way or the way that I, not my way, but the way that I was hoping something would go, I want to know why. I want to know, um, how that decision was made, what information was presented, um, my analogy or metaphor, um, because I like to speak in metaphors um, or analogies, it's the way I was taught 
um, to be illustrative of what you're trying to say. Um, but for me, uh, playing sports, you, after a game, and I'll use football, after a game, especially after a loss, but after win or loss, you, on Saturday, we came back at 7 a.m. and watched film of the night before. And we didn't watch it just to see ourselves running around and getting hit or to see a ball fly through the air. That's not the purpose. We watched that film to understand why the result was what it was the night before. And so you learn, oh, you, you know, Brittany missed a block on, <laughs> Brittany, she got us, she made us lose. Brittany missed a block <laughs> on this play. And so that allowed someone to get into the backfield and stop the play and you didn't score and you lost. And I think the justice system or any system really is if there's something that happens, if there's a decision, we want to watch the game film the next day and know like, how did we get to this point? What, what were the decision points that influenced this direction? And at least for me, and I again, I can't speak for other people. I can't speak for people who are marching. I, I can only speak for myself. But I like to know what's going on and why we got there. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you on that. Um, and I, you know, I will say in terms of transparency, I'm, I'm glad that the city has released um, their PIU investigation you know people can look that over and come up again with their own thoughts and opinions what's the PIU so for people who don't speak uh police (laughs) (laughs) what what is no we gotta keep the tag I'm trademarking it okay don't speak legal I should know this kind of uh (laughs) what is the PIU So the PIU is the Public Integrity Unit, um, which is LMPD, Louisville Metro Police Department's investigative file into the shootings of Breonna Taylor. And those have now been posted on louisville-police.org. So anyone that is wanting to, you know, look at that over and have their own thoughts and opinions. To review some of the game film, so to speak. So to speak, yes, exactly. Um, you have the ability to do that. Now, granted, this doesn't have any of the information um, presented by the FBI um, and possibly not KSP, but it is some or, of yeah. it. Or um, really the, the grand jury side of it, of yes, what was presented or not that. presented um, there as well. But in general, too, just especially when people are looking into this stuff and especially whenever, you know, we're feeling so much kind of honestly chaotic energy in this city um, and also kind of throughout a lot of spaces right now in this pandemic, right? Um, there's been a lot there's a that's pandemic. kicked up in 2020. We're going to ignore him. Um, and Story I just want to make sure that people are taking care of, of themselves. Um, you know, it's a good thing to mention. How, how do you take care of yourself? 
lately. <laughs> um, I, I'll be honest, I, I've not done enough of that. My typical go-tos are regularly working out and exercising, trying to be outdoors, spending intentional time with friends and family, um, and reading for fun. <laughs> None of those have been on the table over the last couple of weeks, but that's okay. I, I know what I need to do, and I can also acknowledge that sometimes it's not going to be as consistent, but that doesn't mean that I'm failing. That just means that I have to reroute some things so I can get back to what feels best and what allows me to continue working as hard as I want to work on ensuring that we're doing what we need to do here, which is making sure that people feel safe in their spaces. Yeah, I think I think that's important because a lot of people right now, myself included, um, don't really know where or how to feel safe in whatever space they encompass. Um, I think as a black person, it's mm. really difficult figuring out um, what space in which to feel comfortable. Um, we have, I don't know, it's still difficult thinking of some of the events even this week. Um, because as we're, anytime I start to feel some reprieve where it's like, okay, something it's sad it's like nothing crazy has happened yet this week and that yet is the hard part and then we have another shooting of someone trying to break up a fight at i think a gas station um and it was someone who was a um black man who had been actually in spaces where he was supporting um the police in saying, and this is not to say you shouldn't, but in saying, you know, they're talking about how difficult their job is and trying to bridge that gap in the community. And then this past week, he also gets killed while he's trying to break up a domestic dispute that he was not part of, but he was trying to help clear up a situation. Um, and I, I said this to a group of students I was talking to um, recently, but it's difficult to find any clarity or space when you know that there are people who know, um, back to Brittany and Hamilton's phrase, that the eyes of the world are on them. and they still do what they've been doing and it's it's difficult to find that inner peace because it's like you know you can't all you can't let your guard down ever and that's a challenge um it's it's very hard to be on and looking around all the time <laughs> it's exhausting mm -hmm. especially with everything else, trying to find ways to do work in the community and do good things. But on top of that, 
looking around and really watching your back um, and it's hard and so that's something that people don't talk about in trying to find some space and clarity and solace right now is you still have there are still things you have to be on the lookout for and it's it's tough mm-hmm. it's a it's a sign of trauma right yeah there are a lot of different routes to trauma and ways that it impacts people but that kind of you know hyper vigilance and awareness of surroundings and constant fear is traumatizing and more people need to know and understand that sometimes that alone can come along with being of a certain race in this society yeah and it, it's not yes and it's also not just a race thing i mm-hmm. i can never understand what it's like to be a woman um walking down the street especially at night or early in the morning or really ever <laughs> um i've so i like to so our office is at 4th and Broadway and i like to walk through downtown to grab lunch or you know pick something up or just to get outside especially now that it's not consistently a million degrees i am very allergic to the heat um it's a medical condition like no um but walking sometimes um sometimes i like to have headphones in or my earbuds just so i can block out certain things but i don't i'm not really listening to anything and just to hear some of the things people say to or about women when they walk down the street um i can i can't imagine what it's like to hear those things um and so you know it's not just a race thing about not being able to find um some of that clear space or not being on edge when you're doing things um so that's like I know what my perspective is I don't know what it's like to be someone else but I do recognize that there are other fears that people have that aren't me and aren't black and yeah that kind of thing no yeah and that's a wonderful point I mean that's something that we all have to pay attention to intersectional identities exist and so no matter who you are across the board at some point you have some kind of privilege over someone else um so it's it's about recognizing what those privileges are but also acknowledging the disadvantages when they're necessary and knowing when are you being offered an equitable chance and when yeah. are you not so yeah not to go too far down a um not we're going down the... Keep going. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, you know, what was that? Like, oh, going on a bear hunt. Yes, we're going on a bear hunt. But I did. We're going down a rabbit hole. We're going... <laughs> that, was some, that was some great rhythmic work over there, Brittany. You know, Brittany. <laughs> it's not my strong suit. And that's Sheila E., everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing my strong suit. That one, that's not... Badooch. Um... <laughs> 
One day we'll be able to afford actual sound effects. And yeah. We've got some great bad music going on now, though. I'm also pretty sure I could actually do one of those on this program. Um, the actual brooch. Um, okay. Yeah. I'll let you try that out in I, the edit mode. I, you know, I could, but I like vocal sound effects better. Um, as a professional uh, competitive beatboxer, you know, multi, multi, uh, platinum. <laughs> yes, multi platinum <laughs> and uh, multi time, multi annual champion um, beatboxer. I, you know, I basically like to just keep it, keep it natural. I don't need any sound effects. No, um, but no, not to go too sad or dark. It's just something to keep in mind that there are, there are things going on that do mess with your psyche. Um, and just in, to my original question to Brittany about what do you do to, I don't know what, what I said. I was going to say center yourself, but what do you do? I like that. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll use that then. But that that is important. I'm I'm a work in progress in that area. I'm not very good at it, as Brittany can attest. Um, I'm He's a, horrible at it. Yes, I'm horrible at it. Again, if you're on Twitter, <laughs> at Human Rights KY, let's tell our director over here to sleep sometimes. <laughs> sleep. Uh, I don't know what that means. I think that's what people, like, I don't know. That's what Goldilocks did in beds that weren't hers. That was weird. Nobody ever talks about how weird that story is. All fairy tales are very odd. Tangent. That's not It's a point. I mean, <laughs> who just goes into people's houses and... White girls, apparently. Fair. No one said Goldilocks was white. Okay. She was white. Um, <laughs> if you read the children's books, she was always depicted as white. Oh well, <clears throat> I read I read black children's books. The the Goldilocks part was store bought. Mm. Yeah, got it. Yeah, um, but no, just I know I personally need to work on being better about taking care of myself. Um, sleep will happen probably in the next three months once some <laughs> things with work calm down um so i will sleep at some point scout's honor i feel like we need to have like a self-care challenge <laughs> we can check in in three months i don't like to lose anything so no <laughs> that's why we need to do this no i don't bring out no. that competitive i don't believe no a self-care challenge <laughs> I don't like to do things or I won't win. That's why I don't bowl or play ping pong. I'll give you until next episode <laughs> to come up with what we want this challenge to look like. I already know what I want it to look like. Not existent. You went out of it. No, no I, it's count. non-existent. No. So we'll come up with something. We'll present that. And then we'll check in in three months afterwards. Yeah. See not, where we're at. Not going to happen. Mm-hmm. No. Okay. I'll draw it up. I'll make the rules. How about you make the consequences i make the rules no yeah i create the challenges <laughs> and the rules and the consequences it's and, a man's world <laughs> yep and you just participate <laughs> man exactly that sounds awful um we'll figure something out i don't know if, i don't know if a challenge is right 
just because I, I can't win that. I can't even compete. Not even win. I can't compete. I think you could. Mm-hmm. I think it depends on what it is. We'll mm-hmm. we'll play around with that. Okay, we'll see who can in the next three months because it's jump not the about highest winning. And run the fastest. It's all about <laughs> it's all about practicing. And if I know you, and I know the type of lifestyle you live, you actually practice things daily. Yeah, but it's definitely not. Uh, no, I can't. You'll say stupid stuff like sleep and rest and take time for yourself and do something. Take time for yourself is so vague. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Something like, I don't even know. What do you, what do you people like to say? (laughs) What did that mean? You, uh, hmm. I don't know the word for it. mindful people there we go mindful (laughs) that was a really nice way to say that yeah i like that you're a very mindful person i try to be yeah me too but i'm not good at it (laughs) that's why i don't want to compete against you pick anybody else here part of mindfulness (laughs) is just learning acceptance no This is what we're dealing with. Okay. Yeah. We can pick anyone else in this building and I will have a competition with them, but not you, Miss Mindful. But anyway, um, anything else that's... So has anything else happened that people might be interested in talking about or our thoughts on or... I don't know. I feel like it's been a while since we did this. Even though I guess we do it every week, but <laughs> it just seems longer. Yeah, I mean, well, we had a wonderful guest last week, so you and I didn't have quite as much banter, which is completely okay because I'm sure banter people don't want to hear us bantering all the time. Sure they do. No. <laughs> but also hopefully yes, because yeah. we're here. Yeah. Hi, it's, y'all. It's pretty much what we do. If you enjoyed this show, check out some of the other great programming here on Ford Radio, such as Depth and Weight, Joe and Annie's amazing, heartfelt exploration of the battle against addiction. It airs here on 106.5 FM every Sunday at 2 p.m., Monday at 8 a.m., and Tuesday at 2 p.m.
on a similar but not similar note, um, eventually we do hope to start implementing some opportunities for people to help out around here um, and just to get more involved with what we are doing uh, locally and statewide. And so that's something that will be coming up and then my cry for help me will be a little <laughs> bit more legitimate. Volunteer opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> it's been two shows. I haven't done it. It, it has, yeah. Um, but yeah, we we want to start opening up more conversation with people, um, I guess creating a dialogue in this space. And so reach out to us and right now we can talk about it, but then eventually we do want to have people joining in and helping us in this mission because as we know, um, discrimination is not going away Mm -hmm. um, as much as we would like for it to. And so we will be as we seek to grow our own impact, we want to make it a collective impact. And mm. anyone who knows me knows I am very much into collective impact, um, shared ownership, uh, those types of things, because I am a staunch believer um, that we all, we need each other to lift each other up. Because if we try to do it ourselves, mm, we might do a little bit but we can do a lot more together and so that's my my mindset for everything it's probably annoying at times Um, (laughs) someone is making a face at me across the table no you know that I feel the same way and it just (laughs) it reminds me of actually you'll see it if you ever email me on my email signatures um Desmond Tutu my humanity is bound up in yours for we can only be human together um that is hands down my favorite motto just or quote I should say I guess it's not a motto but it it has become a motto for my life so and for me um if anyone looks at me on the tweeter um (laughs) my bio ever since I joined has said that I'm a believer that we cannot build our own our own future without helping others build theirs um that's something i said once in um I think I was in middle school (laughs) um young prodigy I mean you know um but I 100% believe that I I think my own my own personal view is success is shared um accolades are shared and anywhere that people go it's shared and so I've never been a believer in individual exceptionalism because there's always more power in a group and in community. And so that's kind of guided me through everything. And so that's why I want um, whatever we do here to have that same feel and that same desire for collective impact. And fair warning, because... As he said, he really likes sharing, so don't ever expect to bring a nice treat in here to eat yourself without sharing it. <laughs> That's how far that goes. <laughs> Unless it has cheese, then I'll pass. You can have it, but... Treats with cheese. Yeah, but if it's chocolate, I'm going to take 90% of it. <laughs> it's a cocoa tax. <laughs> anyway. Oh, God. We'll get through this together thank you Andy um so 
Anyway. <laughs> Wait, it's like he's he... in my brain. We're listening to him yeah. every day. So, yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> why is that funny? I don't know. Anyway. So, yeah, this week, um, as we said earlier, don't take uh, the dates that we gave in the interview with Juan. Um, again, that event was yesterday. Or if you're listening to this later, it was probably a week ago. Um, but we do want people to start um, reaching out to us and looking for ways to get involved because we're definitely going to be looking for people to get involved. And there are things that we want to make happen, um, especially as we sit in quite possibly the epicenter um, of some of these uh, discussions around our future. Um, we want people to be involved in those conversations and we want to help create a space for people to feel comfortable in finding their own voice to participate in those conversations. And so that's kind of where we are. So with that, um, really just wanted to wrap up and say that we are very appreciative of people who are listening to this, people who are pretending to listen to this, and really just anyone who wants to be involved and wants to work towards a better community and a better us. Um, I'm very appreciative of that and I just hope that people know that I hope so too that was so thoughtful <laughs> I'm trying, so sweet I'm trying to be mindful like you <laughs> <laughs> so anyway um, we will see everyone well we won't see you unless you <laughs> message us and then we'll see you but we will be back next week and Hopefully, um, we're working on a few things that we hope to be able to update people on mm -hmm. um, for some community action that we plan or are hoping to get started soon.